0: Good evening. How's everyone doing? It's great to be together on a Saturday evening. To worship, to be together. It's great. All right, couple announcements. Um this January, if you haven't been part of a small group, I'd really encourage you to uh to plug in. There's some information here and in, uh and uh, you can contact uh, P- Pastor Evan or myself or one of the other leaders here uh, to get involved in a small group. Also, in January, uh, Evan and I are going to be teaching a class up on the hill on Wednesday nights. Um, there's going to be a special class about how to, how to study and read and listen to the scriptures. Uh, we are so blessed to have uh, this book, because it's not just any book, it's... Divinely inspired by God to um, prepare us for a life with God and to learn how to live with Him and to understand His ways, and, and God uses this in our lives. And, and I, I always like to remember that um, how precious this book is, not only because God has given it to us, but the men and women who have sacrificed everything to make this available to us in our own language. I think back to Tyndale and Wycliffe, who were. The first men to, to be, Wycliffe in particular, was the first one to translate this into English so that we could read it, understand it in our own language, and he was burned at the stake for doing that. So um, think about um, just the, the the preciousness of this book and what God has given it, given this to us, and so we're going to learn uh, on Wednesday nights how to how to read it, how to understand it, how to study it, so I'd like to invite you to consider doing that. Also, as we uh, prepare um, to end this year and prepare for next year, uh, I'd like you to consider and pray about uh, maybe an end-of-the-year financial gift to Rimrock Church. God has uh, blessed all of us in different ways, and uh, one part of our worship is to give of our, our resources, and God uses that for his kingdom and his glory, so I'd just like to invite you to pray about that. Would you join me in prayer as we open God's word tonight? Lord... Thank you. Thank you for your presence here and as we sing your name Jesus, Jesus and the darkness trembles and and that through you there is victory cuz you have won. Lord, we recognize that those are not empty words. Those are powerful words, true words. Help us to understand that victory in our lives that you paid The price, you made a way for us to be clean and forgiven, free from our sins, so that we could live in your righteousness and live in your life. And so, God, I just pray that as your sons and daughters tonight, that we would listen and we would understand what you have for us. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us and speaking to us. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, so... As we go through Advent, um, the last few weeks, I hope you've been blessed as you've thought about this idea of Advent, this idea of coming, God's coming. And we are in a unique time in human history. We are what I like to call the in between time, God has come. Through Jesus. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, because we understand that Jesus is the Son of God, and He is the promised Messiah, the fulfillment of all of what God has promised through thousands and thousands of years of human history as He prepared the world for His coming. But as you remember last week um, from Isaiah 9, we realized that God's coming was just the beginning at Christmas, (laughs) that there is a a second coming that we are awaiting and longing for. And so Advent is really the season of not only remembering and living in the present, but also looking forward to the fulfillment of God's promise that Jesus will come again, not as a baby, but as a king. And so we look forward to that day. Last Saturday, uh, my wife and I were getting ready to come here to church uh, with you. And um, you who have small kids know that it's always chaotic <laughs> getting ready to come, right? And so we were trying to round everyone up and get ready to come. And my little three-year-old son was running down our hall and he slipped and fell and he hit a little stool that we had and split his head open. And so we uh, we uh, went to urgent care and they said, uh, we can't We can't fix that. You have to go to the hospital. So we drove right past here on our way to the ER, (laughs) and so we spent the evening at the ER, and he's doing great. Uh, He got nine stitches and got all all fixed up, and he's doing great tonight. But the reason I share that story is we live in a chaotic world, don't we? (laughs) And as much as we like to try to keep everything in order and like our lives to go as smoothly as possible, the reality is they don't. Can you relate (laughs) to the chaos of life? Uh, Up on the hill last week, as we went through Isaiah 9, I shared that the context of that passage was deep darkness, that Israel was in a time of great chaos and distress and darkness. And so when Isaiah talked about darkness, the people understood it because they were living in it. And I shared with the congregation a list of things that maybe they would have faced this past year. Um, Financial hardship, health problems, conflicts in relationships, wounds from war or divorce or great anxiety or stress in their lives. And I said, how many of you faced those things this past year? And probably 90% of the hands went up. And I said the reality of darkness in our world is still with us just like in Isaiah's day we still live in a dark chaotic world where there's suffering where there's pain where there's hardship where there's injury and ultimately there's death and so the bible is written in a way to help us realize the darkness and i shared with the church that that we like to cover it up. We don't like to recognize the darkness. that we, we, we try to pretend it's not there. But to understand the story of the Bible, we have to understand the reality of our condition, that there is great darkness. But what did Isaiah say? There is a light that is dawning, <laughs> right? The light has come. And we believe Jesus is the light of the world, and he has come. And he's made a huge difference, But maybe it's not the difference that we sometimes expect because we sometimes come to Jesus thinking, okay, now my life's going to be perfect and everything's going to go smooth and right. But that's not what Jesus promised. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. But what he did promise is that he would begin to transform our hearts and he would do it, through what he did on the cross and the resurrection where our hearts would be made new. And so what the prophets said in Ezekiel and Jeremiah is that God would take our heart of stone and he would give us a heart of flesh. And that he would inscribe his laws and his ways onto our hearts. And that he would begin to dwell with his people. And so what did Jesus do by coming as the light of the world? He began to... A revolution of our hearts (laughs) where we began to realize that he is Lord and King. And we began to realize that we could live with him as his sons and daughters. And so God began a change. His kingdom began established in our hearts. And that's why when he said, people said, where's your kingdom? And Jesus said, don't look. It's not over there. It's not over here. It's within you. It's inside of you. And so this light that has begun to be birthed in our hearts. And so, what we have to ask ourselves is, where is the peace? And that's the theme tonight in Advent is peace. Peace. So, if Jesus is the light, if he is the bridegroom, as we began this series, and if he is our hope because of the resurrection, and he is ultimately the gift, then we have to ask, where is the peace? Where is the peace? Through the storms, through the darkness, through the difficulties. That we will face in this world. How will we live in peace? Luke chapter 2, as the angels came to the shepherds, they had a message. And what was their message? Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And so Jesus promised peace. (laughs) And God proclaimed peace on earth. And so the question that I'm posing for us tonight to hear from God's word tonight is in this in-between time, Jesus has come, and we're looking forward to the day when he will come as the Prince of Peace to bring, as we read in Isaiah 9, his government and his righteousness and his justice and his glory onto this earth, and everything will be made right again. And the Bible tells us every tear will be wiped away, and there will be no more pain, there will be no more death. Amen? We look forward to that day. But here's here's what we have to hold on to. How do we live in the in-between time? And peace is a huge part of that. A huge part of that. So would you turn with me to John chapter 14 <coughs> in verse 25. And and I would really encourage you to read the whole context of this passage. Uh, something we're going to learn on Wednesday nights with Evan and and myself is that the context of a passage determines its meaning. And so Jesus, he's he's telling his disciples that he's leaving, but he's going to come back. And so he's talking about this in-between time. And this is when he comes and gives this incredible promise in verse 25 of chapter 14. You can follow in your Bibles or you can follow on the screen. And he says, all this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all All things and will remind you of everything. I have said to you, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. (laughs) Praise God for his word. And so we're going to dive deep into these few verses here tonight. I want to start in verse 25. We have the words of Jesus. And what does he promise in verse 26? But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. And, and let's just pause there. Do we see the Trinity? Do you see it there? God has revealed himself as Trinity. Three and one. It's a mystery. It's a beautiful mystery, but it's a beautiful thing about our God. This holy community of love revealed to us as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so tonight we're going to be talking particularly about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And uh, there's been several books written. One is called The Forgotten God. (laughs) about the Holy Spirit, because a lot of times we we talk a lot about Jesus, and we talk a lot about the Father, but sometimes we forget to talk about the Holy Spirit. But the in-between time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming, the Holy Spirit is the most important person of the Godhead for us, because he's the one who is present with us in this time. One day, we will fully be in the presence of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, We will fully experience the glory of God. But until that day, the way we experience God right now in this life is the Holy Spirit. Because we don't see Jesus walking around with us. (laughs) We don't get to see him physically. But he is promising that his presence will be with us through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so this is key. This uh past week I, I went to an event with my um oldest son and, and there were some other parents there, so I started struck up a conversation with a guy and and I was asking him what he did and he said, I, I I work at the Air Force Base. I'm I'm in the Air Force. So I said, So are you a, a pilot? And uh he said, No, 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 I'm not a pilot. He says I, I just load bombs. And <laughs> he must have he must have seen my face because he kinda laughed <laughs> and I said I wouldn't say just <laughs> load bombs, because, <laughs> you know, he, th- he does that every day, okay, it's no big deal for him, but for me, the idea of loading a bomb is an incredible idea, because <laughs> there's a lot of power in a bomb, it could, it could destroy ev- everything around you, and I wonder, and it, it, that made me think, I wonder if sometime we treat the Holy Spirit like that. We say, well, I I just have the Spirit of God in me, you know? No big deal. But if we step back and think about that statement, that the Spirit of the living God, the creator of the universe, the one who made you and me and formed everything in this world, lives in us. Wow. That's powerful. (laughs) That's astounding. That should make us step back and wonder. And that is what Jesus is talking about here. This is incredibly powerful. And it's not something we just do. It's incredibly important, incredibly powerful to understand. Now, I want to point out a key here that I think gets missed a lot. And there's a lot of misconceptions about the Holy Spirit in the world today. But Jesus was very clear What does he say? He says that I will give you this Spirit. Now, a lot of people think that to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to receive the Holy Spirit, that you have to do a lot of different things. You have to jump through hoops or you have to do special things. But that is not what Jesus says. He says, I am giving him to you. Now, think about our salvation God does not require you or I to do a bunch of things to earn or receive that salvation. What does he say? He says, just believe. Believe and receive. The Holy Spirit is the same thing. It is not something that we have to do a bunch of special things to experience. This is a gift that God is giving to us. The presence of the Holy Spirit in us. And so... Think about the Holy Spirit as a gift. Think of him as a gift that is given to you by Jesus. And so when you receive Christ, you are promised the seal of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like when I uh, asked my wife to marry me, I gave her a ring. <laughs> that was a promise of my commitment, of my uh, desire and um, my um, yeah, commitment is the right word to live with her the rest of my life, and so in a sense, the Holy Spirit is that ring, that presence, that promise that God is going to accomplish what He promised, which is our salvation, not only in all of eternity, but right now we are fully saved, and so the Bible says we are saved at the moment of belief. And completely saved, even though we don't fully realize that salvation until that glorious day when we will experience the resurrection and we'll be fully in God's presence and we'll be fully free from death. But that salvation is guaranteed because of the promise of God. And so that's why we're saved by faith, because we believe that what God has promised, He has power to do. He will accomplish what he has promised. And so we have staked our lives into that. And so my wife, when I promised her and I gave her that ring, she lived her life in light of that promise that that would happen, that that one day we would actually say vows and we would be committed and married together. And so we, we lived differently in that promise. And in the same way, we live completely different lives in the promise of what God has said. And so the Holy Spirit is the presence of God reminding us of that promise and so what is he called the advocate the advocate the helper the reminder he is the one who is with us to empower us to live this christian life (laughs) because we can't do it on our own god knows we are weak and that we are incapable of living the life that god has for us and so what has he given us he's given us his very presence called the Advocate, the Spirit of God, who helps us, who counsels us, who leads us and shows us and speaks to us. And what does he do? He reminds us, right? Everything that Jesus has taught us, everything this Bible teaches us, the Holy Spirit makes a reality in our lives. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, we cannot understand what God has revealed until we have the Spirit of God. That's why someone who is not a follower of Jesus can read this book and walk away totally unchanged. They can walk away not understanding who God is. But if you and I, who have the Spirit of God, we open this book and we begin to read it, our lives will change. We will be completely affected. Why? Because the Spirit of God is in us. The Advocate. He is the one who is making the powerful reality of God's promise alive in us. And so, remember, the Spirit of God is a gift. He's a gift. All we have to do is receive and believe what Jesus has promised, and we receive the gift. If you have believed by faith in what Jesus has accomplished, you have the Spirit of God in you. Receive Him. Know that. Live with Him. Because it's a reality. And so... Let's talk a little bit about peace because it's interesting that Jesus talks about the gift of the Spirit and immediately talks about what? Peace. (laughs) And that's so important for us in this reality of the in-between time. So the reality that we live in a chaotic, turbulent, dark world that we've all been touched by. Whether it's your kid getting stitches, or a family member who's sick, or struggles in your job, or relational difficulty with your in-laws, or whatever you're facing, that is the reality of the darkness and the struggle that we have around us. And so now that we know that the Spirit of God is within us, and we have this promise that Jesus is coming back, is going to make all this world right again, how do we live in this peace? That Jesus promises and that's my prayer tonight is that we would be encouraged to know what's possible what's possible for us right now to live in this peace and so Jesus says peace I leave you my peace I give you now it's really important we understand this word peace isn't just the absence of hardship or difficulty it's actually a new reality of wholeness, completeness, fulfillment. The, the Hebrew root shalom, it, it's a much bigger word than just um, freedom from hardship. It's actually all the pieces coming together in a right way. It, it, it's the, it's the, the place of knowing that, that everything's going to be okay, that, that, that you're whole, you're complete, the pieces are together. And so this peace, this completeness, this wholeness is what Jesus wants to leave with you. It's what he gives to you. It's not, this isn't something he's withholding. He's giving it to you. He's wanting you to receive it. And what does he say? I do not give to you as the world gives. Now this is important. The world is full of conditions, right? <laughs> It's so conditional, right? There's so many hoops and things that you have to do. So much striving. Remember, the Spirit of God is a gift. And how does Jesus give? He gives freely and without condition. (laughs) And I love that because when you watch the life of Christ, how did he interact with people? He interacted with people that, in the world's eyes, would not have been allowed in. He went to the outcasts. He went to the disabled people who were not allowed to come and worship. He went to the people who had unclean spirits. He went to the tax collectors. He went to all the people who were excluded. And Jesus invited them to know him. You see, God doesn't give the way the world gives, He's not a conditional God because none of us would meet the conditions. <laughs> None of us could measure up to God's conditions, and so God did something radical. He made it right for us to come in and to know him, to be with them. He did all the work. He made the way. He paid the price. And so there's no conditions. He gives peace. He gives peace. Now think about this. What Jesus is saying here in the context of the Holy Spirit, and this to me this is the most important thing, peace is a person. Peace is a person. You see, we'll never get all the conditions just right in our life, right? Some things are going to happen. We live in a dark, turbulent world. So what makes the difference for us? When, when Jesus says, this peace I leave you, this peace I give you, and the context is, He's given us the Holy Spirit, the presence and the person of God with us. And so think about this. Our peace is not dependent on our circumstances. Our peace is not dependent on everything going the way we think it should go. Our peace is dependent on who is with us, the Spirit of God. And so when we understand that, that changes everything. (laughs) That enables us to go through anything. Because we understand that when we're in the boat in the storm like the disciples and they're terrified and crying out, we're going to die. And they forgot who was in the boat with them. The one who made the wind and the waves. And so when he stood up and said, be still to the wind and the waves, they said, wow, (laughs) this is like a bomb. (laughs) This is powerful. The presence of God with us. When we understand that, we go through the storm a lot differently, don't we? We understand that he's got control, that he's in charge, and that his way is the right way, and that everything will be taken care of. We have nothing to fear. And so what does Jesus say? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Wow. Trouble, fear. I mean, those are, those are the markers of our world. Uh, these are anxious times. There's so much anxiety, so much depression. What sets us apart as followers of Jesus is we know that the presence and the spirit of God is within us, and because he is with us, whatever we have to face, whatever is coming our way, we know that his peace is with us, that he will make everything right because he's accomplished his first promise, he's come into the world, the light has come, and he will accomplish his second promise. There will be a day when we will be free from all trouble, all suffering, all all hardship will be gone. And we know that. We, we know that because Jesus was resurrected. We have resurrection hope, living hope. And the, because we know that, because we know that the Spirit of God is with us, we do not go through life's circumstances troubled or afraid. We have peace. What does Philippians 4 say? It says, The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Do you hear that? Do not be anxious about anything. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard. Don't you love? This isn't a gentle word. This, this is a strong word. Is the power of God will protect your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. What a promise. This past week, uh, we had a small group up on the hill on Wednesday night, and a couple people shared going through incredible, difficult circumstances. Uh, Marsha was there, and she talked about her husband passing away. But even in the midst of that, she gave testimony to the peace of God. There was another man who was there who went through the... the he's a financial planner, and the whole market crash in 2008. He went through that, and he said, everyone... Else in his industry, they were going to drinking, they were, they, they, they were losing everything, but he said he was so filled with God's Spirit and his peace through that time. And God enabled him to go through that storm. Real people going through really hard things, but experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit, the peace of God. And so this isn't just a, a theory, <laughs> This is a reality. And, and we could open testimony time, and I'm, I'm sure many of you could stand up and say, I've experienced that. I've experienced the peace of Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Here's what I want to do right before, as we, as we close here tonight. There's a, a parable that Jesus told in Matthew 25, and I'm going to go through pretty quickly here. Um, but I want you to notice something. This story that Jesus told is about that waiting for the coming of Jesus. Um, It says in Matthew 25 that when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And so there's a day when he will come. And we began this whole series by saying, Jesus is the bridegroom. He declares in Mark 2, I am the bridegroom. And so he told this story that the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. And so they're, they're waiting for the bridegroom and they're waiting for this feast. And I love that Jesus constantly talked about his kingdom like a, a wedding feast because who, who doesn't like to go to a wedding and, and dance and eat food and celebrate such a beautiful union between a man and a woman. And so the wedding is is a beautiful image of what God wants to do in our world. And so he says five of these bridesmaids were foolish and five were wise and the foolish ones didn't take any oil for their lamps they didn't have oil and the five wise ones had oil for their lamps and so at midnight the cry rang out here's the bridegroom come out to meet him and so they all woke up all these bridesmaids and they trimmed their lamps but the foolish ones said to the wise ones give us your some of your oil and they said no we there's not enough so go and, and try to buy some. And so they went out to go buy oil, the oil, and then the bridegroom came, and the wise ones were ready. Their, oil, their their lamps were were bright and ready, and they were led into the banquet, and the door was shut. And so then the five more came, and they said, open the door. And they said, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Now here's what I want you to notice. This is talking about believers and unbelievers. This is... so. Don't don't walk away here saying, oh, do I have oil in my lamp? No, if you have trusted in Jesus, the oil represents the Spirit of God. The oil is a representation of the Holy Spirit. You are filled with the Spirit of God. And so as you and I live in this in-between time, we have the presence of God. We have the Spirit of God in us. And we're ready, and we're longing, and we're waiting for the day when Jesus returns because Jesus says therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or hour and so we live different kind of lives we live different kind of lives we live what Paul calls spirit filled lives we we live lives with god transformed lives and a big evidence of that is the peace because the five foolish ones they didn't have any peace <laughs> They're rushing around saying, what do I do? And they went out to go try and buy it on their own. And, and we know that there's no way to God through our own efforts. It's not possible. We have to receive the oil from God. God gives it to us. And we have it. And we're ready. And with that comes incredible peace. And that's what I want to encourage you with tonight is that peace is a person. God is with you. He's with us. His Spirit is with us. And so where is the peace? It is with God. And I want to close as the worship team comes up, uh, reading a a Christmas hymn, but I I think it captures the spirit of the Advent. It says, Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free, from our fears and sins release us. You, you, You hold on to that promise. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child, yet a king. Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring by thine own eternal spirit, the eternal spirit of God living in you. Rule in our hearts alone by thine all-sufficient merit. Raise us to thy glorious throne. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne.